Open your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. Did he just say Lamentations? That's right. You may need to go to your table of contents. I'm sure most of you have never heard a pastor tell you to open to the book of Lamentations, and you may never hear it again. But please, open to the book of Lamentations. It's right after Jeremiah. It's a fairly short book. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. Uh, in your pew Bible, that's page 572. Just kidding. <laughs> you probably don't have a pew Bible. But if you do have a pew Bible, one of our pew Bibles, it's page 572. Um, so the first thing I want to do is just say thank you for your understanding. Uh, yesterday I, I told everybody, hey, if you've got any opinions or objections or anything about us closing church uh, and doing it online, just uh, send me an email or a message and let me know. Nobody did. So I think everybody understands. Everybody understands what the country is going through. Um, you know, I, I think two weeks ago it, it was a joke. And then in the middle of last week, it turned serious. Everybody's uh, seriousness just about it just kind of ticked up a notch. Um, so we saw we saw people get a little bit more serious about it, and we saw drastic measures being taken uh, around the country. And I just wanted to um, say thank you for your understanding uh, for all of that. I was pretty tentative about doing this, but I'm glad I did. Dixie Meringue uh, wrote to me and said, hey, you just do it. You just put on your snazziest bow tie and get up there and do it. And uh, so I've done that. So thank you very much, Dixie, for um, putting... Uh, for, for telling me to put the bow tie on. I was going to wear this bow tie. I was going to do it because it's St. Patrick's Day is coming up. Uh, this is my, my lucky green um, bow tie. Um, but then I thought, well, I'm not going to do it if it's just a Facebook live feed. And then she told me to do it, so I'm doing it. All right. Um, of course, this virus has been affecting a lot of people, uh, even if you weren't um, infected by it. Uh, I think about our friends, the Hilliards, who serve over in China, and this started for them a couple of months ago, and they were on very strict quarantine for a month. Uh, there were actually roadblocks going into the city of Taiyuan, that's where uh, Susie used to live, so you just couldn't go there. They were keeping people out. There was even a video that he sent me that was maybe on their news of some people guarding the entrance to a town and running a guy off with a like a rake or something like that. They're beating this guy, getting him, telling him, get away, get away, get away, you know. Um, they have since gotten back to a little bit of normalcy in the city where they live, um, but they still can't do online shopping. Uh, no restaurants are open, so uh, it's still pretty tense there, and that's this is going on a couple of months for them, so... Anyway, anyway, we don't know how long it'll last for us here, but we do, we do hope that it, it um, sort of goes down a little bit. Um, and it's affecting people uh, in our congregation. Nobody in our congregation has gotten infected by it. Nobody's uh, gotten sick from it yet, uh, thank, thank the Lord. But um, there are people that have had to uh, cancel trips. Steve Davis was going to go to Ohio. He's canceled. It, it's, it's done. Um, and this morning, even, we had some people who were going to play or be on stage for the first time. Lucas Foster was going to play the box drum for the first time. Sorry, Lucas, it's, uh, it's not happening. Uh, I think uh, Libby Hogan was going to sing for the first time. Uh, Saray was going to sing for the second time, Saray and Ambrosia. Uh, those things were, were going to happen. We were going to do things that now we have to cancel. 
Um, so you'll get your chance. So just uh, We just all have to be a little bit more patient about what's going on. And, of course, the biggest person, uh, the person most affected by this has been Peter Del Gallo. Peter, uh, wrestler, all through school, all through high school, all through college, uh, working up to the national championship. And he was going to the national championship. He was in Iowa at the national championship. He had done practices at the national championship. And then the NCAA said, sorry, folks, tournament's not going to happen. We need everybody to go home. And so uh, if you can imagine working up to something your entire life, and then it's gone, never to return. Very sorry, Peter. Um, you can wrestle me anytime you want, and I'll do my best. And I'm out of your weight class by quite a bit. Um, so if you can beat me, uh, I'll give you the championship. So anyway, I don't want to make light of it, don't want to joke about it. Uh, very sorry. Uh, it's a raw deal. It's a raw deal, Peter, and I'm very sorry for what's happened. I was very much looking forward to it. I even printed out the bracket. Anyway. Um, but this, this thing that's happening gives, gives us some opportunities. Every, every challenge is an opportunity. Every problem is, becomes an opportunity. Um, and I think it's going to help push us to uh, improve our online presence. We have to, so we're going to, so we're going to get better at having an online presence. Um, there are people that are watching today that have never attended church here. Uh, we, our church Facebook page has 256 friends, and we have, uh, oh, say, 150 or so people who attend our church on a regular basis. So there are maybe 100 people who, who might watch today, might worship with us remotely um, before they come and worship with us here in person. There are people that I haven't seen in a long time. Christy Fairservice, good to see you. Charles Wood, very good to see you. Uh, Mandy Miller, good to see you. Anyway, so there are people worshiping with us here that, um, that haven't before. So, hey, let's go online presence. Let's go uh, live streaming. Let's go live streaming service, live streaming worship. Let's get that done so that people can visit us before they come visit us. Um, we'll see how that works out. Uh, I think that this also is going to help us respond to um, respond to future emergencies better. Uh, and I think that this is going to help us uh, graft in some new volunteers. You know, the, those who are most affected by this virus are those who are above 70. And guess who our biggest volunteer pool at church is? Those above 70. So there are a few things that are not going to get done around here unless a few people under 70 start taking some ownership in some of the, uh, the volunteer ministries around here. And I've already had several people um, write and say, hey, I'm there, I'm here, I'm with you, I'll do whatever needs to, needs to happen. So anyway, I appreciate people who are stepping forward um, during this time. It's really good, it's really good to see. Um, Dixie Morang had the congregational prayer this morning, and she wrote it out and she sent it to me. So let's Let's join uh, with her and let's join each other uh, in a congregational prayer. This is what she wrote. I have been seeking God in my prayer time, asking how to pray for our church regarding this crisis we are facing in our country and around the world. What better way to pray to our Heavenly Father than to use the words He has given us? So she's quoted some scriptures here. Psalm 91, 1 through 4. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. Thank you very much, Dixie. Let's pray. Dear God, we are a people that are in need of you more than ever. We thank you for your word, and we have put our trust in you. Please be with all that are fighting this virus. Give wisdom to those who are looking for a cure, who are trying to contain this virus and protect each of us. Uh, that we would put first our, our trust in you. Use wisdom in what we would do and where we go. And help us not to live in fear. Lord, help us to show the community around us the love of Christ. Help us to reach out to those who are fearful and in need of your love and comfort. Give us all strength to share the good news. Lord, help us to search our own hearts to see if there is anything there that we need to repent of. And Lord, help us all to trust in you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much, Dixie. That's, that was wonderful. All right. Uh, Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Lord, help us as we go through our sermon today. Uh, last week, we talked about self-control and the family service, and I talked a little bit about Celebrate Recovery, and I'm going to talk a, a little bit about Celebrate Recovery again. Uh, in, in Celebrate Recovery, in our men's 12-step study, we're about to embark on the infamous Step 4. There are several booklets that go through the, that help you go through the 12-step uh, study. Step 4 gets its own book. That is how pivotal uh, Step 4 is. So we're, we're in this infamous purple book here, uh, and it's called Taking an Honest and Spiritual Inventory. And I've said it before, Celebrate Recovery is kind of like church. We start out with a fellowship meal, and then we uh, sing together, and then we listen to a testimony, or we will uh, uh, hear some teaching from the CR material. And then we say a prayer together, the, the serenity prayer, and most of you probably know the first two or three lines of the serenity prayer, but the whole serenity prayer is really good. Look it up. Uh, and then lastly, we, we split into... Uh, small groups, men's and women's small groups, to talk about our struggles and, and, and really confess. Because the first thing we say is, Hi, my name is Wes, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And that is our testimony. We're grateful believers in Jesus. And then we say, And I struggle with this. And so it's a sort of a confession and a repentance right there uh, where you talk about who you are and what you're going through. And then you talk about the last week and say, How's it going? How's it going? Fighting the good fight. Uh, Hannah just asked, what's the Bible passage again? It's Lamentations chapter 3, starting in verse 40. Uh, and it's just this quick, this quick verse. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. All right. Um, so anyway, it's all good stuff there in, uh, in, in uh, CR. But it's some of the, uh, what we do in CR is something that we don't normally do on uh, Sunday morning. We don't have confession, and we don't, uh, and I hope that repentance happens on Sunday morning, uh, but it's not really something that's structured into our time. Uh, and if any of you grew up Catholic, you know that confession and penance are part of what you do. You, you did it on Saturday before you went to Mass 
on Sunday. Uh, and then in the Protestant Reformation, we sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater. And let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, it, confession is necessary for the Christian life. It's necessary for you to confess your sins to the Lord and ask for forgiveness from them, from them, for them. And, and it's important for you to confess your sins to another person because you don't want to live a secret life all the time. You don't want to live a life where you are holding and hoarding secrets in your heart. It becomes, uh, it becomes quite, um, uh, it's a burden, it's a huge burden to bear. Uh, to do that. You want to confess your sins to another person so that they can keep you accountable, so that they can help you and pray with you through your struggles. So, um, but, there's, but there's something we don't want to do. Uh, th and this is sort of the bathwater that was thrown out. Penance, penance, and if you're a Catholic, you know what penance is because you took your little rosary and you said prayers or you did whatever else uh, uh, the priest said. You, you say this many Hail Marys and this many Our Fathers and um, and that is how you do your penance. And I will say this, penance, penance can be good if you use it for self-discipline. Penance can be good if you use it to build up character. But I never ever want us to do penance to punish ourselves because Christ took our punishment on the cross. And so I never want to punish myself for my sins. I want to discipline myself. I want to challenge myself but I don't want to punish myself uh, because I feel like that's an insult to the cross of Christ and say, Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you took the punishment for me, but I want to take some of it for myself. Or don't worry, Jesus, I can handle this. I'll take the punishment on myself and I'll get my sins absolved on, on my own accord. No, you can't do that. The fact is, if I really want my sins forgiven, I can't punish myself enough. I can't do enough penance. Uh, that is why it was necessary for Christ to die on the cross, because our sins are that serious. Somebody has to die. Somebody's blood has to be spilt. Um, and so that is why God sent Christ to die on the cross, because we can't handle the penance, and we aren't good enough to do the penance. Even our death is just a sinner's death. You needed a holy one, a perfectly innocent death, uh, to, to, to uh, atone for your sins. So I can't do my own penance. Uh, e even if I punish myself a lot, I can't do my own penance. Jesus does that for me. I rely and I have faith in his sacrifice to forgive me of all my sins. Self-discipline, good. Penance and punishment of self to atone for sins, I can't do that. It's an insult to the cross of Christ to say that I can do it myself. I can punish myself and that's good enough because it's not. Uh, so the value of of Christ's death on the cross is our forgiveness. So don't punish yourself because uh, it won't work. You can punish yourself all you want, but you, you won't get God's forgiveness that way. Only Christ's sacrifice um, will, will do that for you. But it is a part of the Christian life for you to confess your sins, face your sins, and try to move away from your sins. And that is what repentance is. We are trying to become a people who move away from the, tra the trajectory of the old life and move towards the trajectory of the new life. Repentance is part of the salvation experience. Uh, the salvation experience, and, and in a few weeks, and this, everything's of course tentative now, but my original plan was on April 26th, uh, Sunday evening, 6 p.m., to assemble 
a group of people and teach through salvation, teach what salvation is. Uh, and salvation uh, is an event and a process, and it sort of goes like this. God created people. He created them perfect and innocent. Uh, and then he, and then people fell, and that is what the fall of man is about in Genesis chapter 3. All people uh, uh, have sinned. Uh, we have either, some, some theologians view it as we have inherited the guilt of Adam and Eve's sin. Others say we haven't inherited their guilt, but we haven't inherited the sinful nature, which causes us to sin. Uh, so it's inevitable for any of us, sin is in our life, sin is in our heart. As innocent as we are and sweet as we are when we are born, there's a seed in there that will sprout and grow and become full-blown sin in, in, in a person's life. And so uh, we have this problem, and this problem is very serious, and this problem is something that angers God terribly. And so God... Um, has to punish sin, but he doesn't want to punish you. He loves you. He, he knows that to punish you, it would be to destroy you. So he doesn't want to do that. What does he want to do? He wants to save you. So he has created a system of, uh, called the substitute sacrifice where something innocent dies and absorbs his wrath and punishment in place of you. And in the Old Testament, that is what, that's why they, they sacrificed the lamb and they uh, sprinkled the lamb on the people or they put it around the doorway of the home. Uh, so that the punishment of God, the wrath of God, would not enter and would not affect you. And it all pointed to Jesus. It all pointed to Jesus. Uh, and so God has judged sin in Jesus, and God has punished sin in Jesus, and now he calls us, he calls us, please come follow me, leave your life of sin, and follow me. And it is our responsibility then to heed the gospel call and become followers of, of Jesus Christ. And repentance is part of that. Repentance is part of that. It is important for us to admit and, and confess openly that, uh, yes, I had sin. I had sin in my heart, or I have sin in my heart. Uh, it is important for us to confess, yes, my life was on a bad trajectory. I had already felt, I had felt the um, weight of sin, the punishment of sin, the dread of sin, the terrible effect of sin, the consequence of sin in my life, and that is why I'm turning to the Lord um, in order to escape it. And then we repent. We, we, we denounce the, the sin that we had in our heart. We denounce the sinful actions that we have committed, uh, and that is what this sermon is about, and this scripture is about, and this step four and celebrate recovery is all about. God leaves you, loves you. He loves you enough to accept you the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. Uh, so, um, so that's what repentance is about. Um, and most people come to Christ as new believers, understanding that they have a problem, understanding that they that there is sin that they need to repent of. Most people come understanding and even begging Christ to make a difference in their life, because a an action, a habit, a hang-up in their life has become so difficult for them, so unmanageable for them, that they have no choice but to turn to him and, and desperately ask him to save them. Uh, and the problem is, this is what I've sort of observed, uh, is that most people come to Christ saying, Christ, Lord Jesus, I want you to fix this in my life. And Jesus fixes it. He absolutely fixes it. He wants to fix everything. So he fixes that, and their faith is bolstered. And then their faith is challenged. People's faith is challenged because Jesus will say, okay, 
I, uh, I took care of that. Let's work on this now. Let's work on something else now. And that's when people say, whoa, I didn't want to change that about myself. I, I really wasn't interested in having that part of my character um, changed. I wanted you to change the situation. I wanted you to change this habit. I wanted you to save me from this. But you're asking me to change from things that I didn't think were wrong about myself. Do I really want to go through with that or not? And so there is this, this, this thing in, in the Christian life where Jesus says, where you say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for helping me with this in my life. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, we're not finished yet. And so you will come to the point in your Christian life where you say, uh, where he says, am I really your Lord? Are you really going to turn everything over to me? Your whole heart, every thought, every opinion, every part of your lifestyle, are you going to turn it all over to me or just some of it? Uh, because if you just turn over some of it, I'm really just a consultant. I'm not the Lord of your life. Now, the passage that I read is from the book of Lamentations. All right, let me, uh, let me give you a little background on that. What does it mean to lament? So this is the book of Lamentations. What does it mean to lament? It's a funeral service for the city of Jerusalem. That's what Lamentations is. In 586 B.C., uh, the people of Israel had gotten so sinful, so full of evil, so full of idolatry, that the Lord said, we've got to do some business here. And he had warned them, warned them many times. This did not come out of the blue. There are generations of prophets, and generations. This was not a 10-year or a one-year uh, warning that God gave people. He gave them generations of warnings. Kings, several kings were warned. Several prophets came to warn the people, you are straying from the Lord. You are walking away from the Lord. You are committing idolatry uh, against the Lord. You're committing, committing adultery against the Lord by doing this. And at, at, at the point in 586, this is how bad it had gotten, okay? You can say, the God of the Old Testament is so angry. Why is he so angry all the time? If only you knew what they were doing. They had taken God's good, perfect, holy temple, the temple meant for his name, his name only. And they had filled it with idols and shrines to false gods. And it wasn't just false gods. It was false gods for which the, the worship became very sexually perverse. And it went even farther than that, actually. Um, they actually started doing human sacrifice in the end. And so, folks, God had no choice. He had to do something. If I do not want my people to perish, if I do not want people to profane my name any further, if I don't want people to start following something else for their salvation, which is no salvation at all, I have to do something. So he sent the Babylonian army in, and they destroyed Israel. They destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple, raised it to the ground. And the prophet Jeremiah lived through that. And uh, he wrote the Lamentations, or somebody wrote the Lamentations afterwards, to, um, to lament what had just happened. And if you've ever hit bottom in your life, if you've ever uh, experienced the full consequences of your sin, um, you know what it means to lament. You know what it means to sit there crying, saying, I cannot believe my life has turned out this way. Uh, there are a couple of really great verses in Lamentations. The first one is in uh, chapter 1, verse 12, where the writer says, Is it nothing to you, 
all you who pass by. So uh, people would walk by Jerusalem, uh, travelers from other countries, travelers uh, um, on, on, doing, on doing trade routes or, or whatever. Um, they pass by, they see Jerusalem, they see the temple in ruins, and this guy just sits there and says, how do, you, how do you just pass by? How do you just walk by as if your life can go on? Look what has happened to us. And if any of you have ever hit bottom with the sin in your life, you probably have felt the same way. I can't believe that other people are just living their lives. I can't believe everybody's just getting up and going to work. Do you not see what has happened to me and my life? And that's what, that's what the people of Jerusalem were, were feeling like um, when, when the temple and the city uh, was all destroyed. And so this pain, this hurt, the destruction, it was all from God's hand. And why would he do that? He would do that because it has to have, there has to be an end put to it at some point. And in, in Celebrate Recovery, uh, the, the first step really starts with this thing that where you, you step out of denial and you say, you know what, my life is unmanageable. I cannot keep living this way. Something has to change or else I'll just be destroyed. And so that brings us to, um, that brings us to the, the, the main verse that I was choosing uh, for today here. Uh, and that is, uh, I'll go ahead and quote it again. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Um, when, you, when you look at the Old Testament, you see... You see a stark difference in Judaism between Old Testament and then the time of Christ. In the Old Testament, they had a huge struggle with idolatry. They had a huge struggle with worshiping other gods and, and, doing all, and being just like the pagan nations around them. In the New Testament, you do not see that at all. You, you, you do not see any of that. You see a, a very strict, a hyper-strict adherence to the law. Before and after the Babylonian captivity, uh, the people got very serious after God punished them so much that he destroyed the country, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. And when they came back uh, in the generations succeeding after that, um, they got very serious and very zealous about following the law because they don't want to go through that again. They're scared to death that they're going to have to go through that again. So they become very strict, hyper strict, to the point that uh, when Jesus comes, they have yet again lost the essence of their covenant with God, and he has to write them. Uh, so we see humanity going, uh, we, can never, we can never just hold in the sweet spot. We can never just be um, exactly what God wants us to be. We swing. We swing from too much license in our life, too much sin, too much freedom, uh, no ethics, no boundaries, to after we hit bottom, we swing all the way over here to this hyper-legalism where we become um, very strict, stuffed shirts, pressed and starched, so many rules and regulations in our life that it's hard for us to have friends with other people even. So, uh, where, and Jesus all the time, God all the time in the Bible is trying to bring us back to this place uh, of um, perfect, uh, I, I don't want to call it moderation because it's, you can be zealous uh, for the Lord without going to these uh, other ends, but uh, in our life and the way we, we approach rules and, and ethics and laws, and there are rules and ethics and laws in the Christian life, but the way we view those has to remain moderate, and we have to remain grounded in the love of Jesus. It is the love of Jesus that saves us. It is the sacrifice of Christ that saves us uh, and, and that keeps us. It is not strict adherence to a set of laws 
and it's also not in experimenting Christian freedom so much that um, we basically just get back into a, a sinful lifestyle. So it's, it's very hard to find that sweet spot and to live in that sweet spot. And that's why it says, let us examine our ways. Let us test our ways. Let's figure this out. Are we really living the right way? Let us daily um, examine how we live and see, is this the right way? Or if there are these unintended consequences of, of too much strictness or too much freedom, too much license, too few boundaries in our life, what do we have to do? What do we have to modify? Uh, and hopefully by the time I die, by the, by, by the time I'm 94, I'll, uh, I'll be living a very good, moderate Christian life right there in the sweet spot. Uh, but it all starts with this repentance. It all starts with examining. Examine who we are. Examine our hearts. Examine our mind. And uh, in Celebrate Recovery, we've got four lessons right here where each, each week we're going to go through and we're going to say, hey, um, uh, and, and it's going to guide us and, and, and help us examine our lives and say, hey, who are we? Uh, what are we doing? Now, let me just interject this here. Um, we're probably going to take a pause on that uh, because of the virus. Uh, Chris McNichols texted me today and said, you know what? Um, Celebrate Recovery is not a very large gathering but it is a, a gathering of a lot of people who are over 70 or who have immune system compromise or who have COPD or something like that. Uh, so it probably is best if we halt Celebrate Recovery for a little while too. So unfortunately that's, that's not going to happen, except that obviously I can do these things, uh, go through these lessons and everything on my own. And so what have I got? I've got myself a notebook and I've got a couple other notebooks here if anybody wants to borrow one. Uh, and. And I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to fill it up with thoughts and opinions. I'm going to fill it up with introspection. I'm going to fill it up searching my heart and mind and helping, uh, asking the Lord to help me uh, look at myself and take a very honest look at myself. Um, most of the time we live in a certain delusion that we're doing pretty good. We live more or less a, a good life. Uh, um, we're basically better than everybody else, but uh, for the purposes of this activity, I'm going to throw away all delusions, and I'm going to uh, very honestly examine myself and admit that not all of my motives are perfect and healthy, not all of my motives are, are good and right, not all of my motives are pure, uh, even when I do right. And when I do wrong, I'm going to go ahead and admit that some of this stuff maybe I could say was a mistake, but so much of it is just an open rebellion against God. Uh, and I'm going to be honest about how I may have hurt people. Um, in the past. I'm going to write it all down. And then after that comes the even scarier part. Uh, I'm going to let somebody else read it. I'm going to let somebody else take a look at it. I'm going to talk to them. And I'm going to say these things out loud. And uh, by doing that, I start to take it seriously. I start to um, really let the Holy Spirit examine me, let the Bible read me, not just me read the Bible. And um, Hopefully we'll start to see some character defects uh, taken away, some flaws exposed so that I'm aware of them, so that I can pray about them and ask the Lord to, uh, to help me work on them. So are you brave enough? Are you brave enough uh, uh, to go through this as well? I've got a couple of other books here 
Uh, I've got two. Anybody, anybody who wants them, this one is, uh, I, I, is, is just like the other one. Uh, this one here is graph ruled. I've accidentally got a graph ruled notebook. We've got a couple of engineers and some math nerds in our, in, in our congregation who really might like to do their, uh, their personal moral inventory with some charts and grids. I got you covered right here if you want it. Uh, I'm going to end. I'm going to end with uh, a challenge, and I'm going to end here with uh, some maybe some inspiration. Some of you may have um, been really shaken by some hellfire and brimstone preachers in the past, uh, be because there's this great verse that um, we we and I'm not really a hellfire and brimstone preacher, but it it needs to come out every once in a while. Uh, there's a verse in Revelation that everybody dreads, that nobody wants to read, that nobody wants to, to think about. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Here, here we go. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And so this, this verse is a picture of the judgment coming at the end time. And maybe you felt a little shudder, just like I did, when, uh, when I read those words, the books were opened. Uh, we all know, and we have been warned in the Gospels, even by Jesus, kind and gentle Jesus warns us that in the end times, everybody stands before the Lord, and everybody gives an account. Uh, the Lord will ask you, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why didn't you stop when I urged you to? Why didn't you stop when I empowered you to? Why did you do these things? And how will we stand there, speechless, shuddering? Uh, and I want to comfort everyone to, to just say, in Christ, all sin is covered. Sin's past, sin's present, sin's future. All sin is covered. We plead the blood of Jesus when we stand before the Lord, when we stand judged. We plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, his sacrifice is enough for all of us. Uh, so we don't need to worry or fear that that judgment will go badly for us. Um, but I will say this. I will say this. It may have some sting. It may have some sting. But let me challenge you and say, you know what? I think there's a way to reduce the sting. If you will open your own book, the book of self-judgment, the book of judgment against Wesley that Wesley honestly wrote himself, the book of my life, the book of my motivations, the book of my thoughts, the book of my intentions, the book of my actions, where I write it out and then I tell another person, because who what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of God finding out? He knows. Are we afraid of other people finding out? They're going to find out. So what if I go ahead and open the book now, and I don't wait until then? What if I open the book now and admit that I'm a sinner, and admit that um, I, I need help, admit that my life is unmanageable, admit that that seed of sin that I was born with has uh, turned into a full garden, a full orchard, of sin in my life. And what if I just open the book myself and I say, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. And then the Lord says, I'm glad you can say that. It's covered. Are you afraid of the book being opened at the end of time? 
Open the book. Open the book yourself. Open the book yourself with another person. Take the sting out of God opening his book. Instead of, instead of, because when we watch these testimonies at, at Celebrate Recovery, it's like the books are opened. It's like somebody standing there and the book of God's judgment is open, but they stand up and they say, Lord, how about if I just read the book myself? How about if instead of you reading the book against me, I'll read the book as a confession to all these people and as a testimony that all of these things that I just read, completely true. All of these things right here, I denounce. All of these things I've recovered from. All of these things I've been delivered from. All of these things are covered by the blood of Jesus. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Romans 8.1, look at it. So if you want to not just be forgiven for your sin, but move beyond it, recover from it, have victory over it, I challenge you, be brave. Open the book. Write the book of yourself. And, and, and look at all those things and say, I'm so glad that all this is covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit is purifying me from all this unrighteousness. And I'm so glad um, that the Lord has delivered me. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. I ask, Lord, that you help us today to become people of recovery. Help us to be honest people who look at ourselves and um, are honest and are good confessors and good repenters. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.